tonight on Farage. And then it was two. Can you pick the winner between Sunak and Truss? I think I can. I'll give you my view. Wennington, that horrible fire yesterday, we exclusively reveal there was no fire engine at that fire station when the horrible incident broke out. And Donald Trump's Truth Social media platform will launch its UK site today, exclusively on this show. Good evening, everybody. Well, and then it was two. And as we predicted on this show entirely accurately, it was, of course, always going to be Sunak versus Truss. Although Morden wasn't very far away in third place. So my audience question tonight to you is, can you pick the winner? Let me know your view. Farage at GBNews.uk. What does it all mean? Who would I support if I was a paid-up Conservative Party member, which I haven't been for 30 years? Some people tell me that Sunak's the best candidate or Truss is the best candidate. I don't think either are very good candidates. But on balance, I have to say, I think Truss is the least worst, if I can put it in those terms. I don't really know whether the conservative philosophy that she speaks about is something she genuinely believes in. But if I compare that to the level of big state, high tax, pro-China, social democracy that Rishi Sunak seems to represent, uh, I would suggest the Conservative Party would have a better chance with Liz Truss. And I think she'll win anyway. I think amongst the membership, she is going to win. Whether she can win in the country will depend a lot on whether her delivery improves. At the moment, it's wooden. At the moment, it's poor. But I'm picking the winner. Liz Truss is going to win this contest, barring any huge scandals about her that might emerge. I think she'll win. I think she is the least worst. Please tell me at home what you think. Joining me is Darren McCaffrey, as he does every day at the moment with what's going on. It's been oh, a quiet Lindsay. couple of weeks, hasn't it? Well, I know. You know, it's less than two weeks since Boris Johnson resigned. Less than two weeks. I know. It feels like several months ago. Actually, the Conservative Party have moved at quite a fast pace with this, haven't they? They really have. But notably, the other big thing today, of course, was it was Boris Johnson's last PMQ's, last Prime Minister's question time. And you look back in the past, we had, you know, Margaret Thatcher saying, I'm rather enjoying this. We had, uh, of course, that standing ovation for Tony Blair when he was mm. like, uh, that's it, the end. Uh, and David Cameron said that he was the future once, which was a jibe back of Blair, of course, from years ago. And yet today, on the whole, actually, the event rather, felt rather flat, a bit dull, I would suggest, at times. Lots of kind of meaningless constituency questions that add up most of the 50 minutes it went on for. But it did get a bit lively towards the end, with the Prime Minister suggesting that it might not be the end. Let's have a watch. Yeah. I want to thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. I want to thank all the wonderful staff of the House of Commons. I want to thank all my friends and colleagues. I want to thank my rival friend uh, opposite, Mr Speaker. Uh, I want to thank everybody here and hasta la vista, baby. Thank you. So, hasta la vista, what does it actually mean? Does it well, mean <laughs> the end? Does it mean I might come back again? Is it au revoir? What did he actually mean? Good question. Darling Street wouldn't be drawn on today. I don't know how many, <laughs> how many Terminator films there were, but there's certainly more than one. I put it like that. I mean, suggestions that, you know, he could, it's never impossible, could, of course, run at some point in the future. I think that's unlikely. But it yeah. is certainly not the last we've heard of Boris Johnson Almost certainly a career outside of politics will blossom from yet again and we'll hear him well, maybe yes. on the pages of certain newspapers. Well, in the I future. do hear that today 
somebody who was the temporary editor of the Evening Standard has resigned. Indeed. So you just I, never, you know. never know. I will not but speculate that. Well, you never but he know. is a newspaper man. Hey, Indeed. I'm just having a guess. Indeed. Darren, it's, we predicted it would be trust. It wasn't by a big margin, though, was it? It wasn't. It was actually surprisingly tight in the end. Only eight votes between Penny yeah. Morden and Liz Truss. Rishi Sunak out in the lead with 137. But we're now primed for this proper battle over the summer. We got a real taste of some of it, didn't we, during those debates, particularly at the weekend, one, where yeah. Liz and Rishi were essentially tearing strips off each other. Personal attacks, it must be said. To not, I think there will be an attempt by the Conservative Party to try and not repeat that, but will it be possible? And the reason I ask that question is because they are actually got very big, deep divides on the big issue of the day, which is the economy and taxation. And I think this is going to get very tr tricky for the Conservative Party mm. because what you're having, let's say, let's say, let's speculate Liz Truss wins, that you are right and she wins. Mm. How does Rishi Sunak, who this summer is going to say repeatedly, publicly, time and again, that what she's proposing with tax cuts is economically ruinous, it's irresponsible, it's fairy tale economics? Could he and the 137 backers he's got genuinely roll behind that opinion well, in September? Darren, do you know what? Lots of people who wrote letters of resignation questioning Boris's integrity stood up in the House of Commons and today. Clapped and clapped today. So I think politicians can be very yeah. flexible. It, it, it is going to be interesting. I think you're right, Liz is clearly the, uh, the lead at the moment in terms of the bookies, the polls that we've seen yes. amongst uh, the membership. I think it is hers to lose. Though, and we talked this a little bit last night about how campaigns can be unpredictable affairs. We've seen yeah. that in the past with Andrew Ledson yeah. dropping out. We don't know what skeletons there might be in cupboards uh, to emerge. But at the moment, it is Liz's uh, to lose. And it will be fascinating to see this play out amongst the membership because there will be lots of debates and lots of hustings. hustings around the country. And yeah. I expect you to be at every single one of them. I will try. But I'm going to the first debate, which is next Monday. And that will be a real mark of primetime uh, television. And Liz's Achilles heel, that delivery that you yes. talked about. Yes. Will that potentially cost her some votes? You think it might do, and that will be her camp's main concern. Absolutely. Darren McCaffrey, as ever, thank you. Now, that horrendous fire that took place out in East London at Wennington last night, we can reveal here on GB News exclusively, and you've not heard this story anywhere else. But the first point to make is the fire broke out within yards of the Wennington fire station. But here's the thing that no-one's picked up on. There was no fire engine in Wennington Station at the time the fire broke out. Why? It had been sent to Upminster to fight a previous fire. And so the first engine that arrived on the scene, almost unbelievably, came from Orpington, which, and those watching this on television can see, is nearly 20 miles away. Now, we could say... This is all because of cuts, and no doubt Sadiq Khan will say this is all because of cuts. In the past, a fire station like Wennington would have had two fire engine devices. Now that's been cut to one. The argument for cutting 11,000 firefighters since 2010, the argument is there are fewer house fires today than there were back in the past, and we simply don't need as many firemen, women and engines but I think there will be a lot of soul-searching, a lot of thinking. It does seem 14 houses totally destroyed, many cars, huge amount of damage. It does seem, had Wennington had a fire engine there, maybe this could have been put out before it caused any problem. Well, Paul Scully, Member of Parliament for Cheam, 
Sutton Cheam joins me, and of course you were Minister for London until very, very recently. Still am. You still are? Yeah. Right. I get confused. You've got so many titles. <laughs> um, look, I've tried to put that in a fairly balanced way. The fact that there wasn't an engine there, it had been sent to Upminster, but in previous times there would have been two engines there. You know, you are going to be attacked as a government over cuts. It's going to be said that because of your cuts, much of that village has been destroyed. So I think what you find is that the operational decisions for the uh, fire service are taken by the fire service and then you've got the, the Mayor of London that's in, that's in charge and it, there's no doubt, you, you rightly say, there are fewer house fires, yeah. deaths by uh, things like water and uh, other areas and uh, tra road traffic accidents um, are more prevalent in this day and age uh, and so the fire service adapts uh, accordingly. But what you found yesterday is that the fire service on the whole um, responded incredibly well to, with it being the busiest time for the fire service since the Blitz. They had five times the normal amount of calls. So, you know, clearly they were always going to be stretched to the absolute limits yes, in this situation. Yes, but pretty gussy, pretty gussy for the residents of that village of Weddington when they have their own fire station yeah, and, it, and it was an upminster. You know, and, and this could have happened in, in, in other areas because you, it's difficult to go through if, ifs and buts uh, through this particular kind of scenario because it, it's a record temperature for a reason. It's never happened before in London or indeed the UK to reach those heights. So you saw the fires. It wasn't just in London. It was in uh, Norfolk and other parts of the sure. country as well. And they were receiving, in places in Norfolk, they were actually getting support from elsewhere in the country way, way beyond Norfolk uh, because of the stretch and resources. But we've um, managed to try to do uh, the best we can, and I think we responded yeah, well, pretty I think well. The, I think there will be a fairly big inquiry into what happened in Wellington. But, and, and anyway, we're the first with that information tonight here on GB News. Paul, another one of your responsibilities has, of course, been energy. And there's quite a, been a big, quite a big announcement today about Sizewell. The government are pushing ahead with Sizewell C, a very big public sector investment, uh, possibly a reduced Chinese role. I'll come to that with another guest. Um, but just to ask you, you were kind of in charge of the planning phase of all of this. Yes, yeah, so I was, although I was in Bayes until uh, recently, the, the energy department, I looked after small business, labour markets, consumers, all those titles that you were talking yeah. about before. Yeah. My colleague Greg Hans uh, was um, as energy minister and Quasi Quartung, the Secretary of State, was energy minister. So they've spoken out on Sizewell on a number of occasions. Yep. So it required another independent minister to take that to, to, to take that quasi-judicial um, approach and uh, there's plenty of challenges on the site there but it's clear you know the the, the strategic need for um, uh, for, for, for nuclear and, and for size well C uh, was, was was really significant expensive but low in carbon output and could perhaps give electricity for six million houses. So I get the argument. I see why the government's done it. And finally, of course, we can't ignore the fact that uh, you've been through this huge drama within your party over the course of the last couple of weeks, and we're down to the last two. It is Truss versus Sunak. Mm. Um, which one are you going to back? I, I don't know. I've sort of, uh, I, I, I haven't declared in the, in the lead-up to this because I uh, was originally on Team uh, Zahawi, Nadim Zahawi, I was backing. Yep. Um, yep. It's the first time in three leadership elections since I've been an MP that I've actually backed someone uh, directly like that um, because I want someone, and I'll be asking them the same questions and I think the members should do the same. Who is a, a great communicator to get our messages across what we are doing? Who has got the vision and the policy platform? Who can also deliver? What people want now is, you know, we've got a month now of uh, members trying to decide who they want. But what the people beyond the membership want is action. 
for the cost of living issues, for inflation, for how to grow the economy. They, they want real action. We've got two years, uh, within two years, to achieve this. I'm less fussed about who's most popular in September the 5th, when the declaration is made. I'm really interested in who's going to be most popular right, so in two having, years time. Having back Zahawi and that not having come off, you're kind of on the fence still. Yeah, because they, they both have their strengths, they both have their, 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 their um, which foibles. One, which one's like. more conservative? So, uh, you know, I think if, you, if you're a low-tax, small government uh, kind of person like I am, you know, you, your heart sits with someone like Liz. Uh, you look at um, Rishi's... Uh, undoubted communication skills, the fact that he's been at the highest level of government making decisions. I absolutely hear what you, uh, what you were saying earlier. What, of course, we haven't had tested yet is when you had number 10 and number 11 with differing views, mm. you need to see what, what, if should Rishi get to PM, what he will do on his own with a chancellor that's far more aligned to, to his, his single vision. Well, that's, that's to be tested. And the party in a mess. I mean, I mean, now consistently quite a long way behind in the polls. Well, well we're behind in the polls because we've had eight months of uh, talking about ourselves, talking about Westminster and not talking about the rest of the country. I think or, that's why I, I don't think we're in a mess, but I think what we've got a lot of way to do is to restore trust. And we'll do that by delivering, by concentrating on other people, not on ourselves, and get way, way beyond the Westminster Village. It's a big job. Paul Scully, thank you for coming in and going through all those topics with me. Well, as I said a few moments ago, it's quite a big decision. Size well see. Um, there are many of us who do believe this country needs more investment in nuclear energy. Size well see is going to push ahead. It could provide up to 70,000 jobs, we're told, uh, but it's going to cost a lot of money. And the thing that I'm just not sure about is whilst I know the EDF, the French giant, have got a stake, the Chinese were very much involved in the Sizewell project. Does this government money now get the Chinese out of our nuclear industry? I don't know the answer to that. But Malcolm Grimston, former information officer of the Nuclear Industry Association and senior research fellow at the Centre for Energy Policy and Technology at Imperial, knows the answers to all these questions. <laughs> uh, Malcolm, it's a, big, it's, it's a big day for nuclear energy, isn't it? It is, yes. We've been waiting for this. We've been expecting yeah. it. But very definitely, this is the second of the new generation of plants. We really need to do five of these to but, be making but, a big deal. But these are quite old-fashioned plants still. Well, they are. The, these are not the new modular ones. That have been no, that's about. right. These yeah, are traditional yeah. big nuclear plants. Yeah. There are several of these now. It's called EPR, this particular design. It's been built in China. Uh, it's been built in, in Finland. It's been built in France and now in the United Kingdom. So it's already being built at Hinkley Point. And the idea is, in effect, you move the kit, having just freshly made the Hinkley Point one, in an orderly fashion up to Sizewell and make considerable savings rather than having to start again from scratch. To what extent in this, and you know, you've made the point that much of this is going to be built in China, which you know, many of us have reservations about, what will the level of Chinese investment be in Sizewell C, or is this government stake effectively pushing them out? Well, Hinkley C was 80% EDF, the yes. French company, which is now to be renationalised, although it was always 80% yeah. state-owned, uh, and 20% was the, the, the Chinese, through the Chinese Development Corporation. Uh, the government has said it will take a 20% financial stake in Sizewell C. So all else being equal, it's a fairly orderly replacement of Chinese investment with British money. 
which politically is likely to be quite popular within the Conservative Party. Perhaps it, that's why it's timed this way. What can we expect next in terms of nuclear announcements? So we have uh, the potential for a site on, in North Wales at a site called Wilver. Uh, we have a potential on the Thames Estuary at a place called Bradwell, which used to have one yeah. of the very first stations. Uh, that was to have been a Chinese station. That's very unlikely to go that way. But of course, it could well be a site for the once this design is tried and tested, yep. and we're very much moving in that direction. Um, and then beyond that, uh, there are sites in Lancashire, there are sites at Hartlepool, uh, which could take new nuclear stations. And we need to, of course, to replace the existing stations, most of which will be at the end of their lives by the end of this decade. So it's not just a matter of new build, which we need anyway, but also replacing the existing capacity. Can anyone explain to me why a Dungeness in Kent where construction on, on the A plant began in 1961, where there is a large, skilled workforce, a local population strongly in favour of Dungeness Sea being developed, it's not happening. Yeah, it, 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 it was the environment agencies on there which looked at all the sites in detail. And Dungeness was the one where they felt the amount of unique uh, ge geology and, and Fauna down, uh, flora down there, flower, uh, yep. vegetable life yep. down there, just really meant that you wouldn't go there first. It may well be appropriate for a smaller reactor, and of course, alongside the big programme, we need to find sites for smaller reactors. But given that there are other sites available, I think the feeling was that Dungeness should be at the end of the queue. OK. And finally, what's happening around the rest of Europe with nuclear? We know the Germans stopped all nuclear, but now they're talking perhaps about going back to it. The French have had a huge stock of nuclear power stations, but getting very, very old, as I understand. What's the picture across yes, Europe? Yes, I mean, the French have not invested as much as they needed to, and there's a backlog there to bring their plants back up to life. With a, what's called a pressurised water rate, it can easily have a 60-year operating lifetime mm. if it's done properly. Uh, Belgium has completely rode back from its phase-out policy and is now talking about further life extension, already extension to 2035. In Germany, public opinion is beginning to sway behind nuclear. It's not there yet, but there has been a very noticeable difference because of they, of course, are right at the front line of the Ukrainian uh, gas crisis. Uh, and we have other countries around it, Europe. Finland has uh, just opened its uh, third major nuclear station and has plans for the fourth totally supported by the Finnish Green Party, incidentally, who are very pragmatic and well, sensible. Well, of course, it's zero carbon, isn't it? Well, that's exactly what they have realised. Yeah. To be fair, the yeah. Finnish Green Party are very, very pragmatic and sensible uh, about these things. Uh, Sweden is a major nuclear uh, force. We're not quite sure what's happening there. Public opinion in Sweden is pretty good. And then beyond that, we have about 30 countries worldwide which are talking about coming into nuclear power for the first time. And Belarus and uh, uh, Turkey are already building their first nuclear power stations. So in the course of the last 10 years, I think there's just been a transformation in the global recognition yeah. of the role that nuclear can play, both in climate change and in giving us not having to be quite as dependent as we are on fossil fuels from unfriendly regimes. Malcolm Grimston, thank you very much indeed. I must say I welcome this announcement, not just that we're going to increase our nuclear capacity, but that we're going to actually squeeze out that Chinese stake. I think that's a very, very good thing. Well, I said, can you pick a winner? I've picked the winner. It's going to be Liz Truss. And I have to say, I still think she's not the best option. She's just the least worst. And that's the way that I view it. Your opinions. Morris says, I will be voting for Liz Truss. 
One viewer says, not voting for Badnock, a non-woke, straightforward, articulate, intelligent, potential leader. Not having her there is a massive own goal for the Conservatives. Yeah, but that's gone now, it's done, and she did inject some fresh things into the debate. And I think, actually, for a relative rookie, I thought she did incredibly well. Ned says, trust all the Conservatives are finished. Dean says, no matter who gets the job, we are all losers. Well, it was interesting. I thought Paul Scully, a few moments ago, you know, there he is, a Conservative minister, saying, and I said, well, you're not doing very well, guys, are you? Well, we spent eight months talking about ourselves and not reaching out to the country. And he's right about that. I mean, this has been the Boris Gate saga has been painful and endless. And I thought, as you know, regular viewers, inevitable. I always thought in the end he would have to go. What does it all mean for the Labour Party? We're not talking about that much, but John McTurn and Tony Blair's former political secretary, I thought was a chap who might just yeah. have a view on this. John, good evening. I'm just looking at the opinion poll that came in that suggested at the next election, you know, if it was Rishi Sunak versus Starmer, Starmer was 11 ahead against, well, had it been Penny Morden, 12, and against Truss, 14. This is suggesting, this, this one poll is suggesting that actually, whatever problems he had, Boris was a bigger electoral threat to you than any of these people. Yeah, look, I think this, the, the dirty secret of the Conservative Party is that the one candidate Labour feared at the next election was Boris Johnson. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and what they've done is replace... They're going to place, uh, replace a somebody with a nobody. Somebody with character, humour, a bigness, a first-name politician, uh, with either Rishi Sunak or Liz Truss. And I think it is the nature of politics that character is huge. And we don't, we've got a three-dimensional character being replaced by two-dimensional characters. OK, I'm going to accept that. You know, love him or hate him, like him or loathe him, <clears throat> Boris is this yeah. big and you can think he's a buffoon and an idiot or you can think he's hilarious, but he is, and you're quite right, he is one of those first names, one of those Christian name politicians, mm. and there aren't many of them. No. But if we look across the aisle, <laughs> <laughs> and we look at Sir Keir Starmer, yeah. who had a very distinguished career mm. in the law, finished up as the boss of the DP, all the rest of it. Mm. There's no big persona there, is there? What I think was the forming of the positioning of Keir Starmer came out really in his speech about, uh, about Pincher. I thought it was very powerful the way that Keir said, but what about the victim? Think about the victims. Think about how they felt. They were sexually assaulted. They had to make complaints. And I think standing up for the little guy is what the, the DPP does. And when Keir adopts that persona, he's much more successful than well, he tries to be well, the big Well, it was politician. a good argumentation, and it's perhaps the kind of thing that he mm. would have said in yeah. court yeah. as a successful barrister. Mm. And I buy that. Mm. But what I'm saying to you is he's not a first-name politician. He's not... I mean, he doesn't show any great charisma... So perhaps the Conservatives mm. are not going to be that disadvantaged. Well, I think the issue, there's, there's two issues, and you, you're right about this. The, the two issues are politics is a contrast game. Um, Keir was never going to outbumptious Boris. He was no. never going to outjoke him. He was never going to be laddier than, than, than Boris. So he always had to be the man with a plan. He always had to be the prosecutor. He's the guy who 
pushed and pushed apart gate, got Boris to finally get Simon Case to intervene, to then do an investigation. Then Simon Case was taken off the case. Sue Gray came in. Sue Gray sent it to the Metropolitan Police. Without Keir badgering and prosecuting, there would have been no fine, no resignation in the, in the end. But the other thing about it is it's the definition of the parties against each other. And the difficulty that Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss have is that until two weeks ago this, um, this Monday, they were happy to stand behind every single thing Boris Johnson said and did. And yet the public were turn have been turning against the, the Tories for 194 opinion polls in a row since last May, June. So this thing has been going on for, for, for longer than yeah. Pinchergate, more longer than Partygate. And they've been in power a long time, and we know all these things. Yeah. John, if we just for a moment take personality out mm, of it yeah. and look at the potential menu mm. that voters will face at the next general mm. election a couple of years mm. away or whenever it's going to be. I mean, really, whether Sunak mm. or Trust wins it and with Starmer there and with the hard left being out of the picture, which has been Starmer's mm. big success, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. We've just got two Social Democrat parties to choose from, really, haven't we? I mean, in terms of big policy, where are the differences? So uh, that's definitely my view, that you can play the Coke strategy against this, this, this government. You say, you want Coke, you get the real thing. Yeah. If, if, you want, if you want tax and spend, vote Labour. Because you know that we want to spend, and Labour in opposition always has to prove it will tax wisely. So it's, it's now, actually, Rachel Reeves, who's more... Uh, committed to being prudent on public spending and paying to hand the debt than, than Liz Truss. Liz Truss wants to, you know, let the debt take the stress. And but these to most voters are, you know, these are, you, you can talk about fiscal and monetary yeah. issues and it doesn't register with most people. No, people want to they get a vibe. No, what I'm saying a, is, in terms of the big pitch, the, the big, the, I can't see either from any party. So what I think, what I think, the, Labour has to pivot. The Tories are talking to each other. In fact, the Tories are tearing each other apart in front of their party membership. It's Labour's chance to go, do you know what? Let's look at what's going on. Let's look at cost of living. And neither Rishi Sunak nor Liz Truss is going to offer anything substantial to the public who are going to get, uh, Martin Lewis predicts, average uh, energy bills of £3,200 at the end of this yeah. year. Yeah. I think, it, I think it is Labour's moment to go, the government stood behind you during the pandemic and paid your wages. The government should stand behind you in the cost of living crisis and the government should pay everybody in the country uh, who, is, who, pay, who earns less than £100,000 a year. You should all get £1,000 a year or £1,500 mm. a year from us to pay to your... Because, if we, <coughs> because you can't be attached to being imprudent by the government because the government are in this... The government have shown in the pandemic they believe government action can dig the country out of a hole, can you know, buy you out of a hole. These are huge issues that affect people's lives in a big, big way. And yet I have a feeling we're entering into a period of politics that's going to be a bit more boring in many ways than it's been for the last well, decade. It's been, I've said that Keir Starmer's slogan should be make politics boring again. Yeah, well, he's doing very well <laughs> in it. John Bertrand, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Now, my What the Farage moments today, you would have thought, wouldn't you, with the Sizewell C announcement that Just Stop Oil 
And the real extremists who are spreading this message of doom would have taken all of this to be, it's a good date. No, oh, no, 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 no. They've been blocking the M25 at Heathrow Airport and at the Dartford Crossing, causing absolute mayhem. People missing flights, people missing family funerals, people not getting to job interviews. And I have to say, yes, I know it got to 40 degrees yesterday, but the idea that we stop all production of fossil fuels in the United Kingdom is just for the birds, because we'd have to import it, because we still need to use lots of it. So I think these people are, frankly, a complete and utter disgrace and need dealing with a lot more strongly. Other news, 115,000 Royal Mail workers have now voted overwhelmingly with a big turnout for walkouts, which could happen later in August or September. So we have a lot more strikes coming down the line, I'm afraid, which is, I think, deeply, deeply disturbing. They've been offered 2%. They say it's not enough. Um, other breaking news, the EU Commission have asked member states to reduce gas consumption by 15% amid fears that Russia will cut off supplies this winter. If only they'd listened to a friend of mine, fellow called Donald Trump, who told the German delegation in particular at the UN in 2018 that they were making a colossal error, becoming so dependent on Russia for their energy. And now the Commission are asking nicely for people to cut their use of gas. Who knows? At some point they may legislate. I can see energy rationing in Europe, maybe the UK, coming this winter. Well, it's that time of the day. Yes, it's time for Talking Pints. And joining me today is a man I've known for some years. He served in Congress for many, many years for the Republicans, but he's got a new, exciting, controversial project. His name is Devin Nunes, and he joins me on Talking Pints. It's great to be with you. Devin, Andrew, thank, you. thank you for coming and joining us. Now, here you are, a guy that served almost 20 years in Congress. You've, you know, risen to the head of the... Intelligence Committee, you've done some big stuff, uh, you've been involved in some big national stories, you know, working with Donald Trump on this new project. Yeah. But really, you're just a country boy, aren't you, and a farmer? That's correct, that's correct. Uh, normally a wine guy, actually. So, right. So I make my own wine, and, uh, and look, this was a, this was a, a lot of people asked me, they were surprised that I left. But well, you left nothing... farming to do politics, yep. and now, you've did, and now you're, you're leaving politics to launch... I mean, you've left yeah. a job, relatively safe seat that you had, which you could have won year after year yeah. after year and, and stayed there, into a, a really different world, a world of social media. Yeah. What makes you give up politics to do it? Yeah, well, it's because of what I learned. And, and I will say I, I, I am impressed with this view because... You're not fake news. And I know this because we actually, this is real. It's real. In the U.S., it's always fake. You know, all those backgrounds are always fake. So I, I, I laughed when I came in and saw that because I, when I watched the previews of your show or when I watch your show online and I saw that, I said, no way he has a view like that. No, we do. It's I mean, you've got, you've got everything. You've got, it's I mean, it's amazing. The big bin right there. It's incredible. So, look, here's what happened. I, de I dealt with the Russia hoax, right, which is a total hoax. Involved your government also. You know, the total, I watched the total degradation of the Department of Justice. Because the Russia hoax happened here, too. And it happened, that's right. Oh, yeah. Russia, and I was in the middle of all this. You know, I yeah. was one of the people accused that, you know, I'd 
working for the Russians and taken Russian money and Russian money had backed the Brexit campaign. And it's all absolutely baseless. And it was the same. It was the same thing we went through and I ran that investigation. We unraveled it. Now we have, hopefully, we had well, one case brought to Washington, D.C. D.C. jury let a guy slide. There's another prosecution that, that is coming up in uh, October, trial. But here, here's ultimately what happened. In 2020, I wrote a little book about Countdown to Socialism, and I talked about the fake news media. But what made the fake news media was being put through a funnel, which was the tech companies, the social media companies, because everybody's getting their information on these phones. Little did I know when I wrote that little book that you were going to have the Hunter Biden laptop from hell, which the polling after the fact says, had they known that the Bidens were involved in this, they would have never voted for Biden and Trump would have won. So right there you had, you know, election tampering. Then we find out that later Zuckerberg, $419 million, that if any Republican would have laundered money like that and spread it out to go and harvest votes, I guarantee you would well, be being prosecuted uh, right now by the Department down a of Justice. Second. When you say laundered money, I mean, explain what you, yeah, what, so, what, what, so what your allegation any is. Any Republican would have been accused of laundering money. So what, what happened was there were a series of nonprofits that money went through and got pushed out into the toss-up regions of the country for voter engagement, voter turnout. I can promise you any Republican would have been targeted and investigated. But much as far of this, as we know, there was zero. But much of this was done within very lax American electoral law. Uh, absolutely. But these are things that we learned after the fact. Then we've had millions of Americans. So what you're saying is, off. what you're saying is that Zuckerberg is running one of the biggest social media platforms in the world, if not the biggest. Yeah social media platform in the world, and that was no neutrality. Is that, is that really your accusation against it? I, I think the accusation is uh, there's, there's multiple accusations. Uh, number one, they booted off millions of Americans or shadow banned people. That's number one. All of them do it. Uh, they're all left wing. But the fact that you would give that amount of money. Look, it's not unusual for, for people in politics, for business people and others oh. to donate a million dollars, five million dollars, ten million dollars. Typically, it's done through the parties or super PACs. This was $419 million, okay? This is real money. So, but that's not, so we learned that after the fact. And then I went around the country, then, then of course they kicked off millions of Americans. They, they shadow banned people. You know what shadow banning is? Is where you, can't, where you can't see the no, post, no, 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 which no, no, by no. the way, I looked at your posts on I some know. of the other social media platforms. No question, you and I've GB been, News no, are being shadow banned. No, no, I, I've suffered from this for some time. Yeah. With, with, without question. Yeah. So. Then, of course, the big thing was is they kicked Donald Trump off of all social media. So I went around the country in 2020, 2021 saying this has got to stop. Like, we're never going to you know, have a, a safe democratic republic if we can't even communicate with basic communications. That's, so, so I was running around in 2021 saying that. And then Donald Trump you know, you know, calls me up and said, you know, will you start, run the startup? And I said, you know, absolutely, because here I was for two years saying this is the most important issue at the highest level. And the way that I got to that, the, the, what, what was really kind of the driver is I looked at the polling after 2000 in the 2020 election. And I saw several polls where you had a majority of the people in the United States believed when they went to the polls in 2020 after we had spent four years investigating the Russia hoax. Yeah. 
and over half the people still believe that Trump and Republicans had something to do with Russia and you and everybody else that was accused yeah. all around the globe. Yeah. If you were center right, you were accused of being a secret Russian agent. And lo and behold, what do we find out? It was the Bidens that were in with Russia, Obama, the Clinton Foundation. You know, it, it, so we are, it's the fastest growing social media company. So Truth in, Social, yeah. I mean, let's just get in, to this. In but before I get to Truth Social, mm -hmm. Twitter. So Elon Musk appeared to want to buy Twitter. There's now a court case coming up. Yeah. I mean, had Musk bought Twitter, and there's no doubt he genuinely does believe in free speech, mm -hmm. perhaps there wouldn't be the need. But before you came along, we've seen Parler launch, we've seen Getter launch. What's different and why the need for Truth Social? Yeah, so I was one of the first guys to go to Parler and one of the first guys to go to Rumble, which is a, a yep. video platform yep. alternative. And so I learned about all this and I learned about the shadow banning back in 1718 when I was being, you know, completely smeared uh, by the fake news. So the difference is, is that we built this from the ground up. So we are reliant on absolutely no one. OK, and that's why we've built that slow. We're coming to the UK as our first country on purpose because we want to go slow. So this is it. partially because of Brexit, by the way. Yeah, we think that yep. we think there potentially are issues in the EU because we know that we will be targeted because it's President Trump, because it's you know, owned by a you know, conservative. So we chose the UK to roll this technology out, which, by the way, it's working, it's working phenomenal. I've been here for the last couple of days. We just want to make sure that, it, you know. Yeah, you sort of had a gentle, you sort of gently unveiled it, but you're Absolutely. launching it right here now. Right here on your show. So yep. if people want to go and look at Truth Social, they can find it yeah, right true, now. TruthSocial.com yep. and the Apple App Store. And we are soon, yep. hopefully, to be in the Google Play Store. But even if you have an Android, you can go to truthsocial.com. So, so the real difference is, is, that, is, is this. Um, we can't be canceled by anyone. We're not going to sell your data. Uh, we are not but going to censor they for politics. They all say that. They all right. say we're not going to sell your data. Yeah. You but, mean it. But we mean it, yeah. All well, right. I'm not sure anybody would even buy our data. All right. <laughs> so, you know, it's a joke, but. But, 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 yeah, but, but well, there's always a market. Yeah. So how, how are you different from, say, Getter? Uh, really, all these platforms are, you know, try to do the same thing, all about social networking. What we're trying to do, our goal, our mission, President, President Trump's mission is to open the Internet back up, give the people their voice back. So when I came in, we started to look. So it's not just enough to, to we don't want to just be Twitter. And I've told people, look, if Musk buys Twitter, great. If he, he can't yeah. get it, it can't possibly get any worse. What we're looking at is we're looking at the best of all the platforms. Now, what do we know? We know Twitter, not a lot of people are on there except for celebrities. You take Facebook, older generation. Instagram is kind of that 25 to 55. A lot of younger women are, are on Instagram. They like it. And then, of course, kids TikTok. are on TikTok. Yep. So we're trying to take the best of all those platforms and put them into one where we don't censor for politics and give people a good user experience. But it's so very it's much, working. but it's very much, Devin, it's very much Donald Trump's platform. Uh, he's the owner of the company, absolutely. Is he still on the board? I mean, I've read all sorts of, and I never know what to believe and not believe. You know, well, I know the launch was very controversial. It was done through a SPAC, this, this sort of new Wall yeah. Street idea. The share price rocketed, the share price fell. Um, there's all sorts of talk of federal investigations. Um, yeah. what, so, what can you tell me so about that? So I think that? the key to remember is that we are a private, we're a private company. We're in a privately held company. And what we're, and look, uh, like anything, you know, what we've said, you know, I've been through all these investigations for many, many years. You want to investigate us? Fine. Go ahead. I mean, we're, we're an open book. We have nothing to hide. We have a very simple mission, right? 
open the internet back up, give the American people their voice back, and ultimately people around the world. Is Trump still so, committed to So what you to have this? to remember... Is Trump still as committed to this? Oh my God, yeah, he's on there all the time. He loves the platform. I, would just spoke, I was, spoke to him multiple times yesterday. Um, and he's one of our, well, he has the largest following on, on the platform. So what you have to remember, just like when I walked in here and I said, oh my God, this is real. This is not fake out here. This is, that's really the big bin right there. When you read in the United States, all of the, what I call the fake news, it's 95% of the news. You have to look at it. You have to see through the fog. And so when you do any search of true social, if you see it's, it's one of the mainstream, you know, corporate or own networks, you, you have to know that it's not true. I mean, there's so many stories out there about us. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is it's unbelievable. We are the fastest growing social media company in the history of the planet. All right. So how many users Here. do you have now? So one of those issues that we don't get into, but what I can tell you is President Trump is over three and a half million. Anyone who went to who is on Twitter and on Instagram, if you're a, if you're a major content or even medium sized content creator, you get more engagement on our platform. Like I can promise you, I can promise you and GB News, because I, I checked it all out uh, before, I, before I came on the show, you will be getting more engagement on our platform in a matter of a couple months. Well, it's a big sales pitch. By, by, it's a big by, sales pitch. By a long way. It's by a long way. And it won't even be I close. expect it. It won't even be now, close. I was, out in, I was out in Mar-a-Lago at the end of April. Um, and I'm coming out to CPAC in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll be there together. In Dallas. Forward to. um, what's it like working for Donald Trump? You know, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been very, very uh, easy, quite frankly, because he wants, because <laughs> all he wants is the same thing that we all want. He's quite exacting, isn't we, he? Well, we, we want the platform to work, right? We just want it to work. We want to give the people their voice back. And it's, it's a gratifying job to be in because we have seen so many people we have the best meme makers. We have the best. They, people do these little videos. And these people are people that have been banned off of social media, right? Or they were banned or shadow banned. Yeah. So it's just been incredible to watch just how people are finding each other again. So you don't get... Like people that, that oh, wow, I used to see you on Facebook like three years ago. What happened to you? That happens every day on our platform. And it's going to happen here in the UK. You watch. There will be people who have been booted off, supporters of... Of, of, of center right, no matter yep. what party, they've been booted off of, I guarantee you, of all of these what I call tech tyrant platforms. So you're making progress. We're not to believe all the horrible stories we read, we read in the newspapers. Never believe And Donald progress. Trump is not roasting you down the telephone on a regular basis. <laughs> no, no. <not laughs> I don't believe you. No. <laughs> he, I mean, you know, he's a guy with strong convictions. He's not, I mean, he's not an easy man to work for. But you know what? It, honestly, he is. Really? He wants it to work. I, I've had no issue. I've had no issue whatsoever. He wants, you know, he works all the time, right? But I work all the time. So, you know, he's a seven-day-a-week guy. He doesn't, you know, he, he goes to bed late, gets up early. Yeah. And, uh, and he's always on. And, and, and I mean, look, it's been, it's been really for me, you know, I was, a, as you, you started out with, I was an ag guy, farmer, you know, worked long hours before I went into Congress. Congress, I used to say, was a lot like being on the on the farm, except the BS was just a little bit different. <laughs> and then, you know, and coming back out, I mean, look, I don't I wouldn't know it any other way. Right. But to work 24 seven. And I think that's what President Trump demands. And look, it's necessary. This is not we don't I don't view this as a job. This is a mission like what we're doing every day. Like I have to tell our team every day, like, guys, we got to get this done because people are counting on us. 
right? No, people no. are counting on us. We're the only game in town something, that's going to give people their voice back. Something has to change. Devin Innes, thank you for joining me on Talking Pines. Pleasure. My pleasure. Okay, it's that time of the day for Barrage the Farage, where you send your questions in. I do not get sight of them beforehand. I'm keeping Devon here with me, just in case you ask me some really difficult ones. Here goes. One viewer asks, as time passes, is it less likely that Trump makes a return to the White House? This one's interesting. My impression very strongly was that Trump wants to run again. He hasn't said so publicly because that triggers all sorts of legal expenditure, uh, you know, accounting processes. Do you think Trump's going to run again? Look, I think he's been very clear. And this is one, another, one of these issues that's been, that's been unreported or misreported. He's been very clear about it. He's running around the country, getting massive crowds, recruiting candidates to run for the House and the Senate, and he wants to win the House and Senate back. He said that publicly. And then he wants to make sure that he is in good health. If that's all in check, then I think he's going to run. Because he's, he's 76 now. Mm -hmm. But he is in good health. He's in very good health. Yeah. He's in very good health. And if he announces... He doesn't drink pints, by No, way. I know. I he doesn't know. drink pints. He doesn't drink wine. He doesn't smoke. No. Well, you know. we've got our problems, but, <laughs> but I'm sure he's got his as well. And, David, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, normally, a presidential candidate would announce after, well after the midterms. And yet I have a feeling he might do it before. Yeah. And you know what? And, the, and at first, when I heard that, I thought, oh. So I said, I'm not sure that that would be a smart thing to do. But... We're in an unusual position, and you'll understand this in the United States. We've never been in a position where the leader of our party is not retired, right? So you've, when we've had presidents before, they retire, Yeah. right? Yeah. And, and that goes back for years and years. The only thing that would be even close to this that's not exact would be Teddy Roosevelt. So we are in uncharted territory yeah, where, we, where we have... That's 120 years ago, 110 years ago. Right, there's yeah. nothing that yeah. compares. So No, let's wait and see. Let's yep. wait and see. Let's wait and see. Dorothy asks, will Boris stand again at the next general election? I don't think so. Uh, no, I don't. If I think that they're going to be seeing a lot more of him in, in the USA because he's entertaining. After dinner speaker, I think he'd spent a lot of time in America. That CNN is CNN Plus. He should go to CNN Plus. Well, yes, he might fit in very well there. <laughs> and finally, Robbie asks, Erdogan humiliated Putin. Do you think Putin's bluff has been called and he is now weaker? You know, what worries me, whether Putin, after that, is personally slightly weaker or not, the very sight, the very sight of Iran, Russia and Turkey, a NATO member, there together, uh, forming a new potential alliance, I found actually pretty alarming. Tomorrow, I'll be in Redcar, up in the northeast of England. There may be one or two seats left. If you want to come along, see me in Redcar. Go to the GB News website. I'll see you live from the northeast of England at 7 tomorrow evening.